Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Let us pray. O gracious Heavenly Father, we come before You and understand Your steadfast love is what brings us here. Lord, that we have not been faithful to You, but You have been faithful to us. Lord, that we see all of Your promises found throughout Your Scriptures. Lord, that salvation comes through You and not through us. Lord, we pray that we would be able to see Your Word clearly. Be able to trust in Your Word today. Lord, help us to be able to see how You have fulfilled Your promises in Scripture through Jesus Christ, the One who has come. Lord, let us find this hope in Your Word. Let us keep Your Word and law continually. Forever and ever. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hear now the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 14, verses 22 to 25. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. And as they were eating, he took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to them, saying, and said, Take, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, He gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And He said to them, This is My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Every community, family, has its own traditions. Some are deliberate. Others develop over time. They just become how you do things. These are embedded into any community, any family. It doesn't matter if they're all deliberate or some are just happenstance. But there's traditions. Cultural traditions. Cultural things that... Translate in some aspects, but not to another. And often when you look at it from an outsider, these traditions don't make sense. It seems rather than it's just a recurring event, something that happens, rather than something that has purpose, nostalgia, longevity. As an Australian, many American traditions overlap together Connection because of the Christian calendar. Also, uh, America's history have been tied to England. But there's not always the same that have the same equivalents. One, for example, is America has Thanksgiving. Australians don't have any equivalents of Thanksgiving. And then after Thanksgiving, you have Black Friday. Now, we don't have a Black Friday. We don't have a Thanksgiving. So there's no translation. But we do have a Boxing Day, which you might be able to say has the same type of sales right after Christmas, and there are Boxing Day sales that go on. Now I mention this because as Christians, we come to the Bible, and we come to the Bible from a New Testament perspective. We understand the Bible through the New Testament Gospel lens. However, that, when we read the Old Testament we sometimes don't understand what is happening in the Old Testament. 
we might fail to be able to see the redemptive historical nature of the types and shadows of references. One of these comes when we read the Gospel accounts. When we come to the institution of the Lord's Supper. We read these accounts and see the institution of the Lord's Supper. We see the Lord's Supper, which it is. However, often we don't necessarily see the change that happens. The change that happens here when Christ celebrates the Lord's Supper. The changing of the guard, so to say. Or to put it another way, there was a time when the Passover meal became the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. And that's what we'll be looking at this morning, of how this change happened and how those two are connected to one another. So as we look at the Passover meal, we'll look at how it ties in to the Lord's Supper. The first is that it's a meal of recollection, a meal of remembrance. Passover is a meal looking back to something that has happened. Many of our meals and celebrations have that same tie. Often we forget why we have those times. This is quite a different cultural uh, approach to things. As we'll see, there's, there's quite a process that they go through. Now we have the 4th of July, but often when we talk about the 4th of July coming up, We talk about the 4th of July as a celebration of hot dogs and things like that. We don't actually think or even talk about the 4th of July on the 4th of July. Why is the 4th of July important? Going back to that event. And that's what the Passover was to do. To go back, to recollect, to remember what it is. They're told in Exodus 12, verse 14, This is a day, it shall be a memorial day, and it shall for you be a feast of the Lord. Throughout all your generations, the statute forever, you shall keep the feast. And then later on in Exodus chapter 13, and Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of slavery. By the strong hand the Lord brought you out from this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. Now this is a monumental day. It's not merely just the Passover event specifically of the Spirit of death passing over the doorpost with the blood is the whole event of God redeeming and saving His people. This is a monumental day, one of the biggest days in the life of the people of Israel. The fulfillment of the promise of God God to Abraham in, in Genesis chapter 15. But it's also monumental for the people of God in Exodus chapter 6. Say therefore to the people, God speaking to Moses, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. And I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. This is not merely just a feast, but it's a celebration to remember what God has done for the people of God. Again, not just the event of that night, but the whole story of Exodus. From slavery to freedom. Not just bringing them out of Egypt, but making them a people. Making them a nation. Fulfilling those promises to Abraham now 400 or so 
years after being in slavery. That they once were, in Deuteronomy 26 explains, a wandering Armenian. Jacob. Abraham. Once dwelled in land far off. But now they come back and they're the people of God. And the Passover meal is celebrated in various ways. They all generally have one common theme that flows throughout them. And often the Passover meal was celebrated and it was marked with four glasses of wine. You would go through and your stages would be in these four glasses of wine. And one of these celebrations, another part of this, it was, was to be celebrated as a family. It wasn't just the adults, but it would be the children as well as they would all come and recline at the table. And the story of Passover, as they remembered what God has done, was done throughout this whole meal. Again, this is a very different thing. Think about all the meals and celebrations we have in our culture. We come together for a meal, but how often do we stop and during that meal, deliberately talk about why we're celebrating this meal? Why do we remember this day compared to other days? And this was very important. And the children played a very important part in the, this, the Passover meal. They would do what any child does. Ask the question, why? <laughs> they would ask five questions, six questions before the temple was destroyed, but they would ask six questions, or five questions, based on the question, why? And the host and the, the people around would then answer the question. The first question that they would ask is, why is this night different than any of all the other nights? Why is this night so special? And they would then answer and tell, this is the story of the Passover. This is important for us. This is what we are to remember this night. They would go through and ask more why questions. Why do we only eat unleavened bread? Why do we only eat bitter herbs? Why do we dip our food twice? Why do we eat this meal reclined? The sixth question they don't ask after the temple has been destroyed. But each of these questions tie back to the story of the Passover. They eat unleavened bread because they remember how quickly they had to flee. The bread had no time to be able to rise. They were to be packed their bags to be ready when God told them to do so. They eat bitter herbs to remind them of the bitterness of slavery that they had in Egypt. They dip their vegetables into salt water to remember their tears which were shed. But, then they dip another time into oil to be able to see their gratitude, the sweetening of what was once bitter, that their suffering and bitterness was turned to sweet. And lastly, they eat their meal reclined at the table because it is only a free person that reclines at a table. A slave or a servant must stand, but a free person reclines. You see how all of this parts of this meal are 
are pointing back to be able to remember where they have come from, what they have done, what God has done to be able to bring them to be able to be free. Remember the ten plagues which God brought upon Egypt with an outstretched arm. And often the, the host who would lead and teach the children would grow through a, a section of the Bible like Deuteronomy chapter 26 giving the story of God's deliverance of His people to be able to worship Him. And as Jesus is the host of this meal, Jesus then says, do this in remembrance of Me. The change is no longer we're remembering an event that happened. We remember a person who came. This change from the Passover to the Lord's Supper. No longer an event in history, but the person and work of Jesus Christ. Who brought us from bitterness to sweet. Who made us from slave to free. We remember our Passover lamb who came. That here we see the shadow cast upon the Old Testament meets the one casting the shadow, Jesus, of the New Testament. The key to understanding all of this is that points not to an event, but to a person. Jesus. As He says, do this in remembrance of Me. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember what Christ has done for us. How He has come to be able to save us. That leads us to a second point, that it's a meal of redemption. A meal of redemption. The Passover is a joyous meal of celebration. As they go through and remember their affliction of Egypt, the unleavened bread, the bitter herbs. But throughout the whole meal, it's celebrated with these, these glasses of wine. That this once was, but now it is not how it is. One of the greatest marks of this feast is not in the food or the wine, but how everyone was to recline at the table. It's a difficult aspect for us to think about, but for those who would stand at a meal normally as they serve others, to be able to take their time to eat and share of the stories of what God has done as they share this meal together as they remember that they are now free. That they are, this meal is one of freedom and redemption. A beautiful symbol in the bread of the Israelites is that they prepared the bread as slaves. But they baked the bread as free men and women and children. And a part of this celebration of Passover, the 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 host, in this case, Jesus, would pick up the middle piece of this unleavened bread out of three pieces. However, on this night, with His disciples and the others, He broke the bread as was tradition in the Passover meal. But at this point, He also broke tradition. He didn't say the, the normal words which were spoken. But Jesus breaks the bread and says, 
this is my body. And Luke adds, this is my body given for you. The Mishnah records the words of Rabbi, a rabbi who explains that the unleavened bread is the re- redemption from Egypt. But now Jesus explains that He is the bread. It is His body given to His disciples. Now Jesus is not saying this is literally His body. He's showing that the shadow has met the object, object casting the shadow. The author of Hebrews helps us understand how redemption came through Jesus Christ and His body. Hebrews chapter 10. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from the time until His enemies should be made a footstool for His feet. For by a single offering He has perfected for all time for those who are being sanctified. But it comes through the sacrifice of Christ's body. It's not only a meal of redemption because of the bread, but also because of the blood. The Passover has one simple meal. Uh, one simple idea. Somebody's blood has to be shed. Somebody's blood has to be shed. The question is, whose blood is going to be shed? Either you have the blood of the Lamb on your doorposts, or it will be the blood of the firstborn son. And just as Jesus did with the bread, now He picks up the cup. The third cup in the Passover meal. And as the disciples are reclined at the table, Jesus again breaks with tradition. Now you've got to remember, these, these disciples would have celebrated the Passover every single year. Heard the same thing over and over again. If you've ever gone to a wedding that uses the common book of prayer, they, they utter the words in the wedding vows. You hear the repetition time and time again. Or gone to a funeral where they read the rites found in the common book of prayer. You might not know, be able to recite the whole words from that, but if they were to break from those words, then you would know there's a difference. And so too, these disciples, many of them have families. They've probably led their own Passover feasts and been the host where they've told the children, why is this night different from any others? Well, kids, I'll tell you. And here, Jesus again lifts the cup. They're expecting the words which they've heard before. He raises the cup for a third time. It says in verse 24, This is My blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. There's a change. Matthew and Luke add for the forgiveness of sins. 
not only as He broke the bread and pointed to His body, now as He lifts up the glass, He points to the blood. Just as His body was offered for the redemption, His blood was shed for forgiveness. You could spend more time looking at Exodus chapter 24, Hebrews chapter 9, Let's focus on three verses in Hebrews chapter 9. For Christ entered, the author of Hebrews says, not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer Himself repeatedly, as the high priest enters the holy places each every year, with the blood not of His own. And then He would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, He has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Again, the Passover was a celebration of redemption of God's people. Taking them from bitterness and slavery to freedom and joy. And Christ explains it is His body and His blood that are not shadows, but the reality. That all of this is pointing to Christ. The redemption comes through Jesus Christ's body and blood. That is why, as Paul explains, that we participate in the blood and body of Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. The cup of blessing that we bless is not a participation. Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread. We who are many are one body, where we all partake of the one bread. Thus, we see again the Passover ceases. The meal of redemption shared by. God's people is not just point, not pointing back to an event, but pointing to a person. The work, death of Jesus Christ. The Heidelberg Catechism, question 76, again beautifully explains this reality found in the Lord's Supper. It's not only to embrace with a believing heart all sufferings and death of Christ that are hereby to obtain the forgiveness of sins and life eternal, but moreover, also, to be so united more and more to His sacred body by the Holy Ghost, who dwells both in Christ and in us, and that although He is in heaven and we on earth, we are nevertheless flesh of His flesh and bone of His bones, and live and are governed forever by one Spirit, as members of the same body are by one soul. And just as Passover was originally celebrated the night prior to God's people being redeemed, now Christ celebrates and institutes the celebration of the sacrament of the Lord's Supper as the new exodus is about to happen. The new Passover lamb is about to be shed. When we come to the Lord's table, we find out that it is the Lord who is instituted on this night, a change from Passover to Lord's Supper. 
We come not just to remember the sacrifice of Christ, but we are united to Him through faith. As Paul says, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. We all partake of one bread. Now, just a brief comment. I don't wish to spend a lot of time here, but just a brief comment. We see this is now the institution of the Lord's Supper. A direct commandment from Christ to His disciples, do this. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We read this every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper together. For I received from the Lord what was delivered to you. What I delivered to you. We see that the Lord's Supper is delivered to us by Christ. And Paul explains that this here, what we read in Mark is, is the Lord delivering to His church the institution of the Lord's Supper. That Christ has given His church two sacraments. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. That these are not traditions that are made up, but they're commanded by Christ for His church. And the last thing that we see in this meal is it's a meal of anticipation. Now I said there's four cups that are celebrated during the Passover feast. And Jesus on the third cup says, this is the blood of my covenant, the new covenant. And there's one final cup to be drunk at the Passover. But again, Jesus breaks tradition. Following the, the third cup, they refill, refill the cup one final time. And someone would go to the door and open the door. And the guests would sit there and invite Elijah to come. There would be an empty place at the table. They sought for Elijah to be able to return. One tradition said before the Messiah would come, they would invite Elijah so that he would come first. But Jesus doesn't do this. There's no anticipation of Elijah coming. And remember the disciples' question following the transfiguration, why must Elijah come first? Jesus responded and said, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how it is written, the Son of Man, that he should suffer many things and be treated by contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has come. And they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. But there's no need to wait now for Elijah, who has already come. Jesus explains to his disciples, truly I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. But just like before, he's not po pointing back to something that is happening, he points to himself. He does not say he will never drink of the fruit of the vine. He says he will never do so until he drinks it again with them. He explains that we still wait. Drink it in the new kingdom of God. The shift that we see, the fulfillment of the Passover. But then waiting for the fulfillment now of the kingdom of God. We no longer need to wait for Elijah. For he has already come in John the Baptist. 
who is the messenger in the wilderness who proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of the God who takes away the sins of the world. The one whose body was broken, blood was shed. And here, Jesus says, this new meal has this new anticipation of Christ coming. They would often celebrate the Passover and they would close the Passover. They would sing a psalm. They would sing a psalm based on uh, Psalm 113 or to Psalm 118. Although we don't know particularly what psalm they sang here this night, many people believe that they sang Psalm 118, a glorious psalm to look at in light of Christ coming to save his people, the Passover lamb, the fulfillment of the promises. And as the psalm ends, save us, we pray. O Lord, O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God. And he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up with the horns on the altar. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God and I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. And Christ at the, the last supper, which was the last Passover supper and the first celebration of the Lord's Supper. This is why Paul can proclaim in first Corinthians chapter five that Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb. We see the fulfillment of promises but also the other promises made that Christ will come when his kingdom is finally established. And we wait once more for that Christ to return, for that great wedding feast to occur. Isaiah explained that this feast will have rich food full of marrow and aged wine well refined. It's not merely that it's going to have food and wine, but rich Full of marrow food and aged wine well refined. This is why when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we remember what Christ has done to him, to us. We are united to Christ when we say this is my body, this is my blood. But we also anticipate his return. As Paul explains in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, for as you, often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That this change from Passover to Lord's Supper, a meal of recollection, a meal of redemption, a meal of anticipation. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. For you are the one who has fulfilled all the promises that in Christ we find our yes and amen. Lord, we pray as we as a church are able when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we would see, we would remember what you have done for us, that you have saved us from slavery and bitterness to joy and freedom. Lord, that we would see that you have redeemed us by your blood and by your body. Lord, and as we wait, that we would long for that moment where we 
will celebrate with you. With that good food and the aged wine, but more importantly, Lord, when you are there with us in our midst as we celebrate with you for all eternity for what you have done for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.